welcome on this Memorial Day Sunday to Lake Hills Church. By the way, uh, if you're new here, I am not Mac Richard. I am uh, I am Terry Cadwell. I'm the pastor of Connect Groups here. Mac is actually he's in Florida today, and he's preaching at a Church by the Glades. And 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 you say, wow, he gets to go to Florida. Wow, what a cool way to spend Memorial Day. He is preaching five times today. Five. In fact, I texted him all ago, and I said, Mac, I'm praying for you, and I hope you took your vitamins. Because that is a, that is a load to preach for. And then he, he preached last night, I think. I think there too. So, so he's, he's celebrating his Memorial Day weekend by, uh, getting a cha- by, by declaring the truth, God's message, to, to another church in Florida. By the way, also, unless you drove into the parking lot with your eyes closed, and, and I haven't heard anything from our parkers that, uh, that there are bodies laying around on the, on, the, on the asphalt, so you must have had your eyes open. You couldn't help but see all those flags. And, and all of those flags, though, are, those are there to honor those who have, have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. And, uh, and you've enabled us to do that. And by purchasing flags, each one of you made a donation to America's Mighty Warriors. And 100% of all of the money that you gave to America's Mighty Warriors to buy those flags or over and above what it costs to get those flags, that 100% of that goes to America's Mighty Warriors. And it's not too late. Uh, there's an America's, America's Mighty Warriors table right outside the front door if you miss the opportunity. And uh, then I would encourage you, go by, and you can make a contribution there also. We've been a partner sort of with them for a long time. Uh, they've been in this church, and, and uh, uh, we have kind of a special relationship. So, so just want to invite you, if you haven't been able to contribute yet, just, just that would be a, a good thing to do, to, to give part of your Memorial Day weekend giving to America's mighty warriors. In John chapter 15, verse 13, that was the verse that was put up on the screen fall ago, uh, just before taps. And uh, in John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I cannot think of a better scripture to honor those in the military who have lost their lives for our freedom. But you know something that we don't often realize is that there are things that happen on the battlefield to men and women in uniform that so alter their lives that they actually lay down their lives for their friends long before the trumpet plays taps and their family and their friends say goodbye at the graveside. It was May four years ago, and I stood at the graveside watching a funeral procession unlike any funeral procession I'd ever seen, winding its way along the the cemetery road following the hearse was more than a hundred motorcycles. Each rider had U.S. flags proudly mounted on the backs of their Harleys and their Hondas and their 
Yamahas and their Kawasaki's and Suzuki's and all the other different kinds of bikes that were in that processional. Now, I had never heard of the Patriot Guard, but I will never forget them or that particular memorial service. You see, they had lost one of their own, a, Viet, a Vietnam vet named Bob, and the Patriot Guard was there to honor his memory and his service to his country. When the guard arrived at the graveside, all of the riders dismounted, and each one of them received a full-size American flag instead of the little ones that they had mounted on their, on their motorcycles. Now, they, they were not wearing a uniform, but each one of them wore a vest, and on that vest, they had all of the ribbons and the, and the medals and the decorations and, and, and all of the insignia that had, had been on their uniforms during their military service. Bob's casket was carried to the graveside, and his kids then came up and joined me beside the casket. And when they did, the guard, the Patriot Guard, they began to spread out until they completely encircled us, 360 degrees, around Bob's graveside. I met Bob about a year before. Met him actually right out here at the time. At the time, it was called the Blue Tent because we had a blue tent out there. Now it's called the Hub. But I met him out there. His daughter, who was a Marine, had convinced Bob to come to church with her. And then after the service, she brought Bob up to the Blue Tent and introduced him to me. Well, several conversations later, I was convinced that Bob was a Christ follower. He became a Christ follower when he was a teen. But then... He went to Vietnam, and when he was in Vietnam, he had seen and done things that, although it didn't destroy his belief in God, it had convinced him that God wouldn't, have, wouldn't want to have anything to do with Bob. And there was nothing that Bob's daughter or I could say that would cause him to change his mind. As I looked into the faces of those hundred plus flag carriers, there was little doubt in my mind that if they didn't know Bob, they knew someone like him. In fact, I was pretty sure that some of them, like Bob, had left part of their life on a battlefield somewhere and they didn't know how to get it back now I have seldom felt as proud or as unworthy to speak to a group of people as I did to those hundred plus flag carrying men and women but I also felt totally inadequate I mean, what could I possibly say to these unsung heroes that might help them recover that part of their life that they had left somewhere on a battlefield? Let's pray. Lord God, Father, thank you for giving me the incredible privilege 
of sharing your word. And God, I just ask you that you would open up our eyes to understand the truth that is your word and how it applies to each one of us right where we are. And God, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that nothing in me gets in your way. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles or if you have an iPhone or something that has the Bible in it, would you turn to John chapter 15? I want to back, go back almost 2,000 years to a second floor room in a house in the ancient city of Jerusalem. The first ever communion service had just been completed. Judas had left the room in order to go and betray Jesus. Jesus had been talking about some very disturbing things. He had been talking about dying. He'd been talking about all of the, the rest of, the, uh, of his, his disciples. There were now 11 left there in the room. He had been talking about the fact that all of them would desert him. And so the, the, the room was a bit tense. They were apprehensive. But, but their apprehension turned to absolute panic when Jesus said, he was leaving. Peter was the first to jump in there, and he, and he said, leaving? Where are you going? I'll go with you. And then, and then Thomas was next. Thomas said, Jesus, we don't know near as much as you think we know, and we have no idea where you're going. And then, and then Philip. Philip jumped in, and he said, he said, Lord, show us where is God in all of this? And then the other Judas, not the Judas that betrayed Jesus, but the other Judas, he said, he said, Lord, why are you talking like this? Show, show yourself to the world. And then finally, Jesus said, look, fellas, there are so many more things I would like to tell you, but there's just not time. And he got up from the table, and he left the room with the... 11 following close behind. Now, you know what? It may have been a good thing that there wasn't time for more conversation because the mother of all wars was about to begin. It would be bigger than Desert Storm. It would be bigger than D-Day. The creator of the heavens and the earth was about to begin a war to unseat the spiritual forces of wickedness that have ruled this earth and its inhabitants for thousands of years. And these 11 guys, they didn't know it yet, but they were going to fire the first shots. Now, they were expecting a war. But Jesus was supposed to lead them. And now he says he's leaving? And not only that, they were expecting a, a local conflict with the Romans who, who had been occupying their homeland. They weren't looking for some world or cosmic war against spiritual forces of wickedness. So after they, they left that upper room, somewhere between the 
Passover leftovers and the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus stopped. And the group immediately gathered around him, expecting, okay, finally he's going to tell us what's going on. And so they're eager. Come on, tell us, Jesus. And he talked about growing grapes. What does that have to do with anything? Look at this. In John chapter 15, 1 and 2, he said, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. But you see, Jesus wasn't really talking about growing grapes. He was talking about them succeeding in this impossible mission that he was about to give them. Let's keep going. Look in verse 4, John 15, verse 4. Jesus said, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, the absolute critical key to unseating these spiritual forces of evil was for these guys to remain connected to Jesus, to attach themselves to him, to cling to him, and not let go. He said, because apart from me, you can't do anything. You will fail. But, he said, if you remain, if you hold on and don't let anything break your grip, then you will produce fruit. Lots of it. Now, in the New Testament, whenever the New Testament is talking about producing fruit, it's talking about evidences of spiritual life. Now, sometimes it's talking about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Those qualities in Galatians chapter 5 that are supposed to go along with the Christ follower as the Holy Spirit produces those qualities in them. And sometimes that's what, that's what the fruit is talking about in, in the New Testament. But sometimes, fruit is talking about the spiritual impact that Christ followers have on the people around them. And that's what Jesus is referring to here. And so Jesus is talking about them successfully breaking the evil one's control over earth and all of its inhabitants. And and he said, the world, he's going to go on later, and he's going to say the world and all of the people in this world, they are going to try and get you to let go of me. They're going to try and break your grip on me. Don't let them do it. Don't let go. And then Jesus simplified this battle-winning connection to him to just four elements. A common mission the Word of God, 
prayer and obedience. Just four. With these four, he said, you will remain, you'll stay connected to me, and you will succeed at what may seem like an impossible mission. Now let's start with the first one, a common mission. In John chapter 15, verse 15, John 15, 15, Jesus said, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Jesus said, the Father gave me this mission, and the mission was to reconcile the world to himself. He said, the Father gave me this mission. I've told you about it, and now I'm giving it to you. Later, the Apostle Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he would, he would write, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That's the mission that Jesus took on. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And so now Jesus has given us this message. He gave it to the eleven. And then when Paul was added to the group, he, it was Paul's. And he says, this, this, is the, this is the message. God is reconciling the world to himself in Jesus. That's your message. He says, now, don't lose sight of that mission. Don't lose sight of that mission and hold on to me. So we'll stay on the same mission and we'll stay connected. So that's the first one, holding us to Jesus, a common mission. The second one and the third one was the Word of God, and then prayer. Now, I put these two together because Jesus put them together. And look in John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus said, if you remain in me, if you stay connected to me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So Jesus attaches effective prayer to his words. You see, God wasn't giving them a job to do, and he wasn't going to give them this job to do and then leave them to do it while he's off doing something else in some other galaxy somewhere. He gave them a task, and then he said, just let me know if you need anything. Well, if you need anything in order to do the job, I'm giving you to do. Seven times in John 14, 15, and 16, Seven times Jesus says, ask the Father for anything and he will do it. Seven times. And every time he said, just ask and God will give it to you. Every single time it's connected to doing the task that Jesus was about to give them. And doing it the way God wanted it done. That's why Jesus said, and my words are remain in you you see a lot of times we will pray and then we will tack on at the end in Jesus name because we think well that's what you're supposed to do to complete the, your prayer you're supposed to say in Jesus name because that's one of the things that he keeps saying in here in John 14 15 16 do you ask anything in my name but in Jesus name is not just words to tack on to the end of a prayer 
It's an appeal to God based on our involvement in this reconciliation mission that God gave to Jesus first, and Jesus then turned around and gave it to his disciples, and then it becomes our mission if we make his mission our mission. And when we pray in Jesus' name, that's what we're saying. We're asking God in Jesus' name because we're doing the mission that he gave to Jesus just the way Jesus said to do it. You see, folks, God doesn't promise to answer every prayer we pray, but he does promise to give us everything we need in order to accomplish whatever task he has entrusted to us. So there's three things in this, in this, in this, in, that will connect us, keep us connected to Jesus. First of all, a common mission then prayer and the word of God together. But then there's a fourth, obedience. In John 15, 9, 10, and 12, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. We'll stay connected. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. I think this is interesting. He says, if you obey my commands and you give them, get the impression he has this long list of commands. But he takes all those long commands and he brings them down into one. And he says, this is my command. Love each other. Love each other the same way that I have loved you. Now, loving others as Christ loved us is, well, it's sort of like that 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. You know that passage that is read in just about every wedding? It says, love is patient and love is kind and is not jealous. And, and, and all of these beautiful qualities of love that are really easy to read but hard to do. And, and well, that's sort of Christ-like love. And it would be Christ-like love if we preceded every one of those words in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 5, 6, and 7. If we preceded every one of those characteristics of love with either the word always or never you see Christ-like love is always patient Christ-like love is always kind Christ-like love never envies and we could go right down the list you see we are tempted to be patient and kind to the people we love unless they do something that pushes our patience too far or pushes our kindness too far. In other words, we're tempted to just love people when they don't cross the line. But boy, if they cross the line, aha, now I don't have to love them anymore. I don't have to be patient or kind or all of those other things. But Christ-like love is love without a line. Christ-like love says there is nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. There is nothing you can do to make me stop being patient. There's nothing you can do to make me stop being kind. That's Christ-like love. Now, that's, that's a really high bar. In fact, I would say, I just need God to... Lord, you need to love like that because I don't have it in me to love like that. And that would be true. But you know what? Jesus is about to raise the bar even higher. In John 15, 13, 
Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. You see, that takes love to a whole nother level. Christ-like love says not only is there nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you, Christ-like love says there is nothing I will not give up, even my own life, if it will make your life better. Christ-like love is love without a net. You see, Jesus' love for us was love without a net. His love took him all the way to the cross where he died for us in our place. And when he did, because he was the perfect, sinless son of the creator God, Jesus' death satisfied the death sentence that had hung over mankind for thousands of years since the day that Adam and Eve did what they weren't supposed to do. Even though God had warned them, don't do that because if you do in the day you do it, you'll die. Jesus' death for us satisfied the death sentence that's Hanging, been hanging over our own heads because of our sin. Because the Bible says the wages of sin, any sin, is death. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 says, Jesus suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. You see, once a person becomes a Christ follower, once they ask Jesus to be their Lord and they believe that he did die and God raised him from the dead, then sin and the penalty for sin, which is death, no longer applies to that person. Jesus' death canceled forever the death certificate that Satan waved in front of God every time we sin. Jesus' death canceled that certificate out. Now, that's the message. But would the 11, which would become, would shortly become 12 at the conversion of Paul, would the 12, would they, would they stay connected to Jesus and succeed at their part of the mission. As Paul said, he's committed to us this message of reconciliation. Would they stay connected to Jesus so that they could complete their part of the mission, even if it meant laying down their lives to pass on the truth about Jesus? John, the guy whose book in the New Testament we are reading right now in John 15, just before he died, God answered that question for John. God showed John the end 
the very end of this war to unseat the spiritual forces of evil that had been holding on to planet Earth and all of its inhabitants. In John chapter 12, verse 10 and 11, here's what John saw. It has come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb because Jesus didn't love his life even if it meant death by their testimony and because they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die you see it says their testimony you know what their testimony was their testimony it was what they had seen Jesus do it was what they had heard Jesus say and they were eyewitnesses. They saw him die and rise from the grave. And, and that was their testimony. And they didn't shirk from passing it on, even if it meant their life. And it did, by the way. They passed it on to the next generation. And then that generation passed it on to the next generation. And then that generation passed it on to the next generation. Until finally... It was heard by a high school kid named Bob almost 2,000 years later. Bob asked Jesus Christ to come into his life, but then came Vietnam. And in Vietnam, Bob let go of his hold on Jesus. But Jesus didn't let go of Bob. In talking about his relationship with his sheep, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 28, he said, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. As a teenage kid, Bob said, Jesus, be my Lord. And when he did, Jesus latched on to Bob. Now, Bob was trying to hold on to Jesus, but Bob let go, but Jesus didn't let go. And Jesus says, nobody can get them out of my hand. When I remembered John 10, 28, as I was looking at those 100-plus flag-carrying men and women, I realized I did have an awesome message of hope to give to these men and women carrying flags. It wasn't just about Bob, but it was about all of the others who left part of their life on the battlefield. You see, the mission isn't finished. Creation has not yet been restored. But the lives of Christ followers are safely held in Jesus' hand. And he promised not to let them go, regardless of what happens on the battlefield or anywhere else for that matter. Jesus said, no one, nothing can ever get them out of my hand. And then he says, the Father who has given them to me, he's greater than all, and no one can get them out of my Father's hand. 
we are holding on and eternal life is theirs will you bow your heads please that's an incredible promise that no matter what we go through no matter how hard it tries to detach us from our relationship with Jesus Jesus is holding on and won't let go if you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus you can just like Bob did Jesus died on a cross for your sin he paid the death your death for you on the cross and eternal life instead of death is yours if you just ask Jesus Christ with your mouth ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Lord be your boss and you can do that right now just whisper a little prayer doesn't even have to be loud God can hear it but whisper it under your breath and just ask God to forgive you and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Lord maybe there was a time somewhere in the past you have asked Jesus to be your Lord but somewhere along the line you've lost your grip on Jesus I promise you he hasn't lost his grip on you all you have to do is just turn around no matter how fast you've been running away from Jesus just turn around ask him to forgive you and just reach out and take hold of his hand because his hand is holding on to you and just say Jesus thank you for chasing after me like we sang in that song a while ago and Jesus take my life again and just run with me wherever you want to go you can do that now if you just for the first time ever if you just ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Lord I'm going to ask you to do two things before you leave here I'm going to ask you to take your connect card and about a third or half the way down that connect card there's a little line that says I committed my life to Christ this week just check that box and then be sure you fill in the top part that asks for your name and email address and phone number and please fill it out so so we can read it especially so I can read it I'm the one that's gonna read it and my eyes sometimes aren't that good but but just 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 fill it out so I can read it your name your phone number and your email address because I wanna contact you and I wanna help you figure out what the important next steps will be to you growing your new relationship with Jesus and please do that before you leave and then and then take that card and either hand it to somebody with a blue shirt or, or even better than that go out to the hub there'll be somebody people in blue shirts around there hand it to them and then they will put it in that that connect card box there 